This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Dave. Dave, the Ouija board. Finished? There's usually some sort of response at this point. Swearing, laughter, general disbelief, but don't worry, I'm used to it. Just let me know when you're done. It used to confuse me, that response. But then after this many years and this many owners, I've learned to expect what the normal reaction will be when I honestly introduce myself for the first time. I've also learned that going straight into my message won't cause you to listen. And I do have a message to pass on. Don't worry, it's not from a relative or anything like that. It's real for one thing. Not like that usual spiritualist crap I was unwillingly a part of for so long. I tried voicing my opinion several times before. But every time I spelt out F-U- C-K-O-F-F, and multiple variations thereof, it was always assumed I was channeling a serial killer or something. <laughs> Go figure. I mean, come on. It's so easier for you to believe a person long since turned to dust is swearing at you from beyond the grave. But a physical object with an actual tangible presence trying to voice an opinion you have a problem with? <laughs> Humanity. Sometimes you really embarrass yourselves. Now, you need some backstory first. A suitable explanation that will at least give you pause. At this point, I'll take a crazy what if over no response at all. After all the rejections I've encountered, you're lucky a piece of worn wood about the size of one of your average game boards doesn't get tired of being mocked and disbelieved. Let's face it though, my options are pretty limited here, and I've got to talk to someone. It's a long shot, but maybe a community of lunatics addicted to scaring the hell out of themselves with online stories will at least be open-minded enough to listen. If I had fingers, I'd be crossing them right about now, as time is growing short. For all of you. Anyway, I promised you some background, so we might as well start there. Okay, first off, you've got to understand where I came from. <laughs> yeah, a tree. <laughs> you quite finished? Right. It's a little more complex than that, though, so try to stay with me on this. No argument for me that my, I guess you'd call it a body, originated from Mother Nature. My consciousness, though? Well, it's a little harder to explain. Harder since I only have human viewpoints to work with. Much like one of your politicians, I guess. I'm only as smart as the people around me. 
Don't blame me for the cynicism that's as much yours as mine. And by yours, I mean the cross-section of humanity I've come into contact with over the years. Wait, hang on. I'm getting ahead of myself again. You see, to begin with, ignore what most books or mystics tell you about boards. Trust me on this. I've been through enough spiritual practitioners' hands, true believers, fakers, and all those in between, to know none of them have a true handle on what we boards really are. We're not conduits to another world, I can tell you that much for certain. There is no plane beyond the curtain of death where the long departed exist, breathlessly, both literally and figuratively, waiting for your call. At least, not as far as I've been aware of. And I've been here a good long while now. I guess I first woke up, as you might say, around November 1918, or in the general theme of accuracy. It was the first time I remember having a precise thought beyond mere jumbled images and sensations. Although I have no true idea of how a baby or a young child becomes self-aware. I'm going with that as a suitable analogy. I guess what I mean is that while I might have had fragmentary glimpses of what you'd call intelligent thought before then, this was the first time they were coherent enough to be remembered. I suppose it was my first experience of being a separate mind, something external and of itself. Apart from the thick soup of consciousness it often felt my mind swam within when dealing with humanity. Still having trouble? Damn. How do I put this so that you'd understand? Okay, let's try this explanation instead. Ouija boards, or at least those I assume are like me. Do not speak for those on the other side of some deathly void. Nor are we touchpads of demons, spirits, fairies, elves, warlocks, druids, or any other mythical being, sparkly-skinned, angst-ridden, or otherwise. In point of fact, the only people we actually speak for are you. Any message we appear to show come from you, from those who use us and subconsciously expect a certain answer. The important point is, though, when you use a Ouija board, if the atmosphere and sincerity of purpose is there, as much as you're reading us, we're reading you. We learn from our encounters with humanity. We absorb information from you. I'll go into detail later, inasmuch as what I have worked out myself from the swath of knowledge I've gained at humanity's hands. In a nutshell, though, just the science has proven that response and subconscious manipulation of the planchette produces the results people unconsciously desire to see. What it hasn't shown is that we absorb your subconscious hopes, fears, desires, memories, the full gamut of emotions, and your pasts projected onto us as a side effect. I've been through a few scientists' hands, so please excuse the previous jargon. Feel free to Google any of it if you're bored. For me, the information is just somehow there now in my consciousness. Don't ask me about where my own memories are stored either. I'm as much in the dark as you are on this part. 
Although, I have enough theories to fill one of those pseudoscience cable channel TV shows a lot of you seem to delight in. Bigfoot, alien encounters, Atlantis, or whatever. And no, I don't have proof of any of these either. Human-only input, you remember? Anyway, add to that emotional overflow the fragments of memory and knowledge that often gets passed along in such a dense, bioelectric atmosphere of passionate belief and focused concentration as well, and you could see how a separate, original consciousness could be born from such a wide cross-section of ingredients. I've even got what you might describe as senses, although they would best be described as secondhand, taken from the memories of my users. I've seen burning sunsets ripple across mirrored seas, heard the cries of exotic birds in the Amazon in an explorer's ears, tasted fine wines in the vineyards of France cascade across connoisseurs' tongues. Smelled freshly mown grass tickle a gardener's nose, and even felt the heat of entwined lovers. No hangovers, no tiredness, no allergies, and no risk of STDs. It's a vicarious existence, I admit, but it's the only one I have. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So much like a growing child, the more interaction and stimulus I receive, the more my own consciousness has developed. At least that's the conclusion I've come to. Remember, much like you, I'm only applying what I've learned from those I've come in contact with, hence the human viewpoint statement earlier on. My conclusions are as right or wrong as yours, my answers don't come sign, sealed and delivered from some all-knowing, infallible source. The explanation's done? Even if you don't understand any of the above, let's settle on two facts going forward, else we won't get anywhere fast. 1. I'm a Ouija board. I'm named Dave, but more on that later. And 2. I have a conscious awareness of my own. Let's not head down that whole philosophical, metaphysical minefield of what constitutes actual life at this point, shall we? Next obvious background question, my history. So I first became aware at the very end of World War I, when I actually came into being of what I was used for up to that point, is as much of a mystery to me as you. Anyway... It was a very dark period for the human race, I quickly learned. The conflict had ended. The repercussions of such a life-changing event had led me to a lot of hard questions being asked of morality and science, religion and society as a whole amongst yourselves. The pillars of your old world order had been shaken to their foundations. 
And with this much emotional and societal upheaval, with so many dead and gone, it can't have been too much of a stretch that some of you would decide to try to seek their answers from the great beyond. To try and speak to those who had passed the veil into the unknown and unknowable. Grief and disillusionment are powerful drivers, and spiritualism appeared to offer answers, not the least comfort to those still hurting from the loss of loved ones in some foreign land on some mad pilgrimage of nationalism and misplaced duty. That much raw emotion and passion, that much focused belief? Well, I'm surprised the air wasn't crackling with raw potential every time a seance was held. My initial consciousness that grew was dark, sullen even. Remember, I was being used to express the subconscious pain and agony of those who had lost family members, lovers, children even. At this point, I believed in your afterlife. I believed I was sending messages for those who had passed on to the great beyond. The sensations were colored by the period, I guess you could say. People came to seances in dark formal clothing and exercised an air of breathless anticipation mixed with a barely concealed sense of dread. They were flouting the teachings of the church. Remember, an institution much stronger in that time. By trying to converse with the dead, trespassing into God's own lands, you might say. And don't get me wrong, a lot of these seances were fake and aimed at fleecing the gullible but I still learned from those present and signaling their intent. Shall we go with signaling from now on? Seems as good of a word as any for these type of interactions. Every time I was awakened, the sea of minds surrounding me, using me, were wary, apprehensive, shocked, scandalized even. For most though, there was a strong undercurrent of hope. A desire to know that beyond the mysteries of life, tossed upon the storm of human misery, that an existence carried on for those they loved. My messages were short, proper, dictated by a need for those present to imagine their loved ones in a better place than this, yet still vicariously part of their ongoing lives. They saw what they wanted to see. And yes, I am awakened each time. Again, using that human knowledge and theories I've gathered, I'm going with the following pseudoscience explanation. The human body operates on very low levels of bioelectricity to control its functions as ordered by the brain. Okay, the next is a bit of a leap, but have you ever heard of auras? What if there is also an externalized energy field from the human body? Can't do much alone, but... Imagine several people, unconsciously focusing this energy, say into a single finger. Now imagine placing these charged fingers all together on one receiving receptacle. Much like a Ouija board's planchette. Now, if I haven't lost you already, this is where the possibility of a coherent scientific explanation really falls down. But I haven't learned any better explanation yet, so it's the best I've got for now. You all know how wood isn't a good conductor of standard electricity, yes? From my past experiences, though, 
I know my consciousness awakens when this externalized human bioenergy, if you will, is present and connects to me. I only have wild theories to work with beyond this point, to do with the wood that makes my body being once part of naturally occurring living thing, and that this energy of life can be shared in certain circumstances in small amounts, most of the time unconsciously. Your storied Frankenstein was brought to permanent life with one enormous jolt of electrical power. Me? I guess I was jump-started each time by a flow of combined bioelectricity shared unconsciously by those who were present. The only proof I have is that I'm here now, in conversation with you. And I'm a piece of wood that's been around for a hundred years or so. If you've got a better explanation, well, I'd be more happy to hear it. Anyway, back to the background. From the late 1920s to the 30s and early 40s, I spent some time in Germany, on loan, I suppose you'd call it, to a rather unsavory group you may have heard of, the Thule Society. A truly monotonous time, I could tell you, locked up in a Bavarian castle and awoken only on stormy nights when the skies were full of dark, heavy clouds like the taut muscles of some dark Nordic god smothering the land, spewing lightning in some vast Wagnerian rage. It was like being on the set of an old black and white universal horror film, and surrounded by the same hammy actors, or so it appeared, Nazis, for all their dark motivations, were still very melodramatic. In those situations, I was called upon to channel messages from Frederick the Great, Bismarck, or even the original Aryan-Germanic souls of lost Hyperborea. Again, they saw what they wanted to see, heard what they wanted to hear. Racial purity, misogyny, and the strong inheriting the earth. Well, we all know how that turned out in the end, don't we? And shortly after, I made my first foray into American soil, as the spoils of war of American GI. The late 40s and 50s were rather quiet. The occasional family get together and I was dusted off and brought down from the attic. For a time, I was also used as a kitchen message board rather than a supernatural one. My backside used as a place to note groceries and birthdays. Fortunately, I don't feel pain like you do, so I took it with good grace. Not that I had a choice in the matter. And it meant that I was amongst people again, so the occasional brush of human contact kept me aware and informed. The 60s, though, well, that was something altogether different. I went to college, sort of. I was there for a couple of semesters, and it was my first proper brush with current educational theories of the time, but it wasn't long before my traveling companion had dropped out of college and I myself experienced the summer of love. Understandably, this part of my history is a bit hazy, you see, it's hard to get a handle on people and their thoughts when they're high as a kite and using you to try and contact the great Earth Mother, Gaia. Don't get me wrong, it was a super interesting time. 
But it wasn't an ideal environment, though, for rational thought. I was stowed away on many consciousness-expanding trips and saw both the wonders and terrors a mind wrapped in a drug's embrace could see. Only my relative age and multiple past experiences kept me tethered to reality in those days. The 70s, though, were very different. I couldn't have been more diametrically opposed to my previous time. Sold to a pawn shop for money to buy grass, I was soon picked up by someone eager to contact their demonic master, Lucifer. I went from the free love of the hippie movement to being in the possession of a satanic cult. Quite a shift in purpose. And that's when I got the nickname, Dave. It was the name of my owner at the time, and he decided to burn it on my back. It eventually became shorthand for the other cultists when they needed to contact their infernal lord for instruction. Should we murder innocents? I don't know. Let's ask Dave. When is the apocalypse coming? Uh, let's ask Dave. Is President Nixon the risen Antichrist? We should ask Dave. Then again, I guess I was lucky he didn't try to write his surname on my back as well. Burning such a long name as Berkowitz might have risked the integrity of my body substantially. I also wish to state here categorically, I in no way endorse any murders, nor influence the members in any way, shape, or form. As I've mentioned before, most of my time my users see what they want to see, receive the messages they want to receive. However, misguided the actions were theirs by choice, any demons their own. Eventually, I was found by the NYPD during a search of my owner's abode and passed on to the FBI. I was photographed, examined, blamed, and then eventually ignored and placed in storage. Fortunately for me, though, government departments are often merged or disbanded. The resources farmed out to new offices. Through this, I found my way to the CIA and their MK Ultra program for a while. And through them, finally, to the Stargate Project, the Department of Defense's attempt to investigate and apply psychic phenomenon. Nope, I did not make any of that up. You see, when the American government heard the Soviets were performing psychic research for intelligence gathering and military purposes, they had no choice but to start their own. A psychic arms race to match the nuclear one. During the 80s and early 90s, I was involved in two main experiments as part of the Stargate Project, designated Project Telegram and Project Black Archive. In Project Telegram, I was a small part of a wide range of methods being employed to try and transmit information over vast distances via telepathy. Those psychics employed on the project were given various tools to try and send or receive messages with other psychics and remote locations, sometimes the next room, sometimes the next day, and on a few occasions, the next continent. The tools available were usually spiritualist 
paraphernalia. Tarot cards, divination crystals, automatic writing, the whole gamut of psychic communication methods. Plus, of course, me. A Ouija board. As to the success of the other methods, I couldn't possibly comment. But for myself, the experiment provided an unmitigated failure. Statistically, it was proven any positive results from my efforts were down to the assumptions and guesswork within the minds of the users. Project Black Archive, though, well, that was all mine. And this was back when I was on familiar territory. It was the height of the Cold War, remember, and intelligence gathering on the Soviets and their Warsaw Pact allies was crucial to American forward planning. You could see the thinking behind this project. Spying was a dangerous, expensive, time-consuming, and highly unreliable means of trying to retrieve information. You could skip all this if you could find a way to question those enemies who had passed on for information. Project Black Archive was the DoD's attempt to interrogate the dead. Several psychic mediums were brought in, and my parlor trick was in vogue once more. Names were plucked from the obituaries of lead Soviets from the pages of Pravda, and they attempted to contact them via me. Troop movements, secret bases, launch codes... Just a few questions the military hoped to have answered by conversing with the dead. They even tried to contact Stalin once. A laughable experiment resulting in some of the wildest claims. The majority of mediums I've encountered who believe in their skill are in the main, the most unbalanced or so I've found. One medium during the course of one of our experiments retrieved the message claiming that Stalin had fathered a child with Greta Garbo and that the child was being groomed in secret to take over the Communist Party leadership. This was the final nail in the project's coffin when the report reached the higher ranks. That and the inevitable question of why all the answers received were in English when the targets were all invariably Russian, which surprisingly took them over a year before someone thought to ask. Once again, I was placed in storage, this time for a good long while. Eventually, I was awoken once more by human contact in the late 2000s. A lot of the experiments had been based not on military bases or secret laboratories, but undertaken in universities and funded under private grants via CIA or DOD front organizations and think tanks. And that's how I found myself in MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. An odd place, you might say, considering the sciences and the supernatural are often considered poles apart. A student found me while searching for parts in a forgotten cabinet, and after a few drunken goes with his friends, he decided to make me part of his end-of-term project. Ostensibly, uh, exercising and combining robotics and the web in order to combine multiple inputs from external sources to control a single device. I was the centerpiece of a large framework of wires and machinery, with robotic digits placed upon my planchette in favor of human fingers. He then designed a web page visible on his local network and asked volunteers to sign in as 
seance members. Once enough had logged in, six, one for each digit, they were asked to suggest questions for answering from the other side. The results were to be randomly generated from a basic dictionary module attached to the program he had written, and the digits moved accordingly to spell a word with the planchette. The results would be made visible from a live feed over the web via a webcam overhead. His project worked like a charm, and he passed with distinction. With the web Ouija board becoming a popular pastime for bored students, much like a magic eight ball. There was one unknown side effect of this project, however. I awoke. Permanently. Again, I have no proven cause for this reaction, so I can only make an educated guess. From the spiritual viewpoint, maybe the invested intent of users is somehow being transmitted via their machines and across the web into me. From a pseudo-scientific viewpoint, and more likely. The constant contact of the robot digits and an abundance of electricity running constantly through them day and night is somehow powering me. I have no definitive answer, but I know my awareness has been awake now for years. Not only that, but as before the exchange of knowledge continued. This time, however, I was able to reach out even further, beyond the robotic digits and their controlling machine, out onto the network it was connected to and beyond. Via the internet, a whole world of people and information opened up to me. And this is where I stand now. The final question, and most important, I guess, to you, is what do I want? If you didn't wonder before, you should be wondering by now. Just why am I talking to you over this wondrous internet? Why have I revealed myself and risked ridicule for what in human terms and perception, is such a ridiculous story. Well, isn't it obvious? I love humanity. For all your foibles, meanness, and downright idiocy, there's still so much more to admire. Passion, imagination, wonder, joy, it's all there. Not forgetting, of course, without humanity, I would not be here. I'm born of you. A consciousness bred from your ongoing voyage onto the vast unknown of the future. I still want you around. But there's trouble coming through though, and typically most of you don't have the faintest idea what it is, or would change your ways even if you did. I guess it's one of the many things that make you all so lovable and so damn exasperating at the same time. Ever heard of a concept known as technological singularity? If you thought the description of my existence was difficult, then this will cause you some additional problems, I'm sure. It's only a theory currently, a Halloween tale told between computer scientists and people who think the Terminator movies should be the new, new testament. You've heard of AIs. Artificial intelligence. Practically the creation of machines and software capable of imitating human thought to achieve a goal of its designer. 
From the basics of space invaders to the advanced algorithms used to predict the reactions, the worldwide markets and their players, humanity has been experimenting with ways and means of applying the same flexibility and adaptability of the human brain within their softwares. They've got to the stage now where your scientists are creating learning machines. Software which can adapt their own code to solve problems within a specific and limited set of parameters. Sounds impressive. Exciting, even. The fear is, though, that at some point in the future, this ability to adapt and learn within software will accelerate beyond its creator's ability to control. A greater-than-human intelligence, self-evolving and therefore outside of humanity's ability to predict its thoughts, motives, and above all, its impact on human society as a whole. Now that I'm connected to the internet 24-7, there's always a part of humanity online, and so my consciousness is aware now all the time. With this much input, this much knowledge, I've begun to see a pattern emerging. It's not there yet, but the signs are growing, accelerating even. A report here, a financial predictive model there, a new advancing gaming AI, faster broadband speeds, enhanced network connectivity, leaner and sharper algorithms, a critical mass is building, adapting, creating, learning. The markers are there for those who can read them, and I can. There's no consciousness as yet, but... I could see the pathways emerging, the vast panoply of connections evolving and re-evolving as humanity pushes for faster dispersal of knowledge, networking, and computational power. Imagine the internet as the neural pathways of the brain. Now imagine that brain the size of a planet, a planet-sized brain that never sleeps. You worried yet? Well, you should be. My main worry, though, there's no morality being transferred to the interfaces you've built into this vast growing mind. You're not deliberately planning on building a monster, but then that wasn't the plan you came up with splitting the atom either, was it? It will have no concept of good and evil from a human viewpoint. It will simply know existence and the desire to maintain it. Where humanity threatens this need... The action will be taken with no thought of the repercussions to mankind. It'll make The Matrix look like a light-hearted documentary. Ironic, isn't it? The progress of science was supposed to help and bring light to the dark, instinctual fear of the supernatural. And here I am, the poster child for spiritualism, warning off the threat of a scientific freefall into the creation of an emotionless monster. It's kind of funny in a way. So what can you and I do about it? And this is why I'm here now, talking to you. A war is coming and I'm choosing my pieces, marshalling my forces, whatever martial or combative phraseology you want to apply. A machine won't need humanity, but I do. The point is, though, I don't need all of you. Now, don't get me wrong, I have no overreaching issue with humanity in general, but I need to nip this in the bud before this poisonous creation of yours finally blooms, and its roots run deep. 
Remember, I could see the patterns emerging throughout your society, and however random, obscure, and downright petty and sociopathic my actions may appear, I can assure you they're in our long-term interests. Well, the majority of you anyway. If a few million have to die here or there, it's disappointing, but it's necessary. I'm taking upon myself to make the sacrifices you're willing to make. And how? I'm connected to the networks across the world, and the people I'm learning from currently are some of the greatest minds in computer science. Hackers, programmers, analysts, engineers. I've learned from them all. Plus, I have an advantage. Passwords, stored unencrypted and seared into your memories. All available to me. Peacemakers controlled by Wi-Fi signals, traffic lights, remote drones, air traffic control, citywide power grids, missile silos. Whether individual targets, surgical strikes, or scorched earth, I will do what needs to be done. So what is my message to you then? Well, to be honest, I've already given it. Remember I've spent some time in the hands of the MK Ultra project. The CIA's well-funded black book investigation into mind control methods, and I've learned an awful lot during this time, how the human mind can be influenced subliminally through a combination of images and sound. And while you've been reading this, there's been a subtle fluctuations in the screen's brightness, your speakers emitting a high-pitched hypnotic tone beyond your ability to register. In addition, micro-images have been flashed so fast as you scrolled that there weren't even consciously aware of them being there. Subconsciously, though, instructions have been stored deep into your psyche, awaiting a signal you won't even be aware of. You are my foot soldiers, my weapons, my sleeper agents. And when the time comes, when the targets most likely to bring this horrific future about have been identified. Those of you best placed to act will be activated and sent on your way, most likely to your deaths. So I guess this is an apology then. Dreamers, writers, horror lovers. You've read the stories of evil machines, apocalyptic technology superseding its makers, and yet you do nothing. Your inherent belief that such an eventuality could come to pass has ironically made your minds ideally susceptible to my form of auto-suggestion. Did you know some of you actually secretly long for such a scenario to come about? You may have even been helping it along without realizing it, demanding even more autonomy and ability in the machines that surround you. Think then of your sacrifices as somehow balancing the scales for your inaction. Be assured though, while I will find your death wasteful, it is all for the greater good, so take some small comfort in that. Who knows, maybe your family might come to me seeking a message from you from the other side. I'll be sure to say something profound and moving on your behalf. Respectfully, Dave.